Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I'm your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The purpose of this podcast is to expose you to great people who are helping cats daily, and hopefully you may learn a little bit more about what you might do in your community. Today, we're speaking with Kit Lilly. Kit recently retired from a 23-year career in banking, where she was a senior vice president at Bank of America focused on the healthcare, education, and nonprofit industries. She managed a team of product specialists to deliver credit, derivative, treasury, and investment banking, insurance, and investment solutions to clients in the Northeast. Her goal in retiring was to transition to animal causes full-time. She has an MBA with honors from Boston University, where she focused on the management of public and not-for-profit organizations organizations. She's a founder and current board president of Charles River Alley Cats, the largest trap neuter return group in the greater Boston area, sterilizing more than 1,300 cats annually. She's on the board of the MSPCA Angel in Boston, which is the second oldest humane society in the country, and serves on the finance committee and the audit and risk committee. She's also the founder and current board president of Helping Animals Living Overseas, HALO, which just completed construction of a new animal hospital, adoption center, and cat sanctuary in Isla Mujeres, Mexico. She serves on the Massachusetts State Council for the Humane Society of the United States and on the Finance and Investment Committees of the International Fund for Animal Welfare. Kit, congratulations on all of those accomplishments. It's great. Welcome to the show. And with all that was that was said, I was just wondering if we could take a step back a minute and if you could let me know, like, how, how did you get involved in TNR? It's a great question because actually when I started, I didn't even know that there was such a thing as a feral cat. And what happened was I was at my place here in Cambridge and uh, a stray cat showed up on my porch and I didn't know what to do. And so I started calling local shelters. I basically ended up volunteering at one of them in order to basically get this cat in the door. Then the shift partner that I had was a Somerville police officer. She had seen a group of cats living in basically a auto junkyard And that is when I learned what a feral cat was. And those were the first cats that I trapped. And I realized there was a whole world of feral cats out there I had known nothing about. I joined a group of women who wanted to help cats. And we educated ourselves about what trap, neuter, return was, about about the plight of feral cats. We bought equipment, basically humane traps. And we kind of just started in our own neighborhoods. And then we formalized the group in 2004 and actually incorporated as as a nonprofit. So Kit, looking back or looking forward, what do you think is the greatest impact that you are able to do for community cats? So Charles River Alley Cats, I think, as you mentioned, is is the biggest trap, neuter, return group in the greater Boston area. And actually, it's strange be- to say return because actually about 50% of the cats that we're seeing these days that we trap on the street happen to be friendly cats. So in those cases, they do not get returned. We place them through our adoption partners, so they all get homes. But when we when we looked around, we, what we saw was that there are cats going into shelters and there's a big cat overpopulation problem. So there was euthanasia going on in the shelters just because of the sheer numbers, just supply and demand. So our goals were really to reduce the number of cats coming into the local shelters so that in the end, we could end euthanasia in shelters in this area. And also then the second goal was to improve the lives of feral cats that would never enter the 
the shelter because they're not appropriate for a shelter setting. So we kind of had to have two-part goals. We've really seen that work just by sterilizing cats that are out on the street. The shelter intake is down about 50% over the last five or so years, and euthanasia has actually dropped 80%. So it's making a huge difference because just sheer numbers of cats coming in are able to be placed because there's fewer of them. The shelters are able to work with cats that previously, if perhaps if they're a little bit difficult, they would have been euthanized. Now shelters are placing, and I'm thinking here of the MSPCA, you know, is, is placing 19-year-old blind cats, which is just a wonderful thing. And it's surely only possible because of the supply and demand numbers. So when I think about our impact, it's kind of um, our part in the overall reduction of cat population. And then if you're thinking about it from a community resource standpoint, we're really the largest group that, that can respond to people who are out there and see cats and don't know what to do. We're essentially a, a big resource for community residents. Well, you're talking about Dorchester as the primary focus target area? Well, yeah. What we did was we, we worked with um, the MSPCA and the Animal Rescue League to really analyze their intake data, uh, the cats coming into the shelter, and figure out where the, where the biggest problem areas were. And Dorchester was accounted for basically 15 to 20 percent of the intake into both shelters. So it was a huge number of cats coming in every year. And so what we did was we started writing grants about four or so years ago to really focus intensively on Dorchester. So we've we've sterilized probably about 2,500 cats in Dorchester alone just in the last couple of years. And what we've seen is a huge reduction, you know, a, a 60 percent reduction in, in cats coming into the shelters from Dorchester. So so we're really working with cats on the street that need to be trapped. But as I mentioned before, you know, some of those are feral. And if they are, they get sterilized, vaccinated, ear tipped and returned back to the street where colony caretakers are providing food and water to them and providing shelters. But if they are friendly cats, we don't want to return a friendly cat to the street. So we link those up with our adoptions, adoption partners, and those cats get homes. Was it a hard decision to think about doing a targeted project? No. In fact, in a way, it's easier to measure things that way. It's easier easier to measure your, your results. And you also get to be known in the community. People are used to seeing us there. And there there's a lot of word of mouth that happens where, you know, people kind of know to call us. And this is even true if people maybe have pet cats and they can't afford to sterilize them because it is it is expensive, you know, for, especially for somebody on a lower income, which, um, you know, socioeconomically Dorchester falls into that category. So we you know, if people approach us on the street, we will try and help them with low income resources, um, even for their pet cats. So we don't really limit it to street cats. We basically want to help the overpopulation by by any cat owned or free roaming. Does your group feel like you're pulling away from other areas in the state? I know that many groups grapple with the idea of, you know, focusing all their resources in one area and maybe not being able to help other calls that come in. Did your group ever have to face turning away other calls? No, no, we, we never want to turn away a call. Um, the, the way that we work this uh, and the way that really stretches our feline resource is we follow something called the Neighborhood Cats model. And Brian Cordes uh, started Neighborhood Cats in New York City a while ago, you know, probably um, I may get the numbers wrong, but I would guess about 15 or 20 years ago. And the concept of Neighborhood Cats is to work with community members and have them actually do the physical trapping and have us be more of a resource. 
our, in our perfect world, we would follow the neighborhood cats model for, for all of our calls just because it allows us to do so much more because what we're doing is providing equipment, training, support, and connections to our vet resources. But, you know, the, the more time intensive part, which is sitting there trapping the cats and transporting the cats is actually done by the caretaker of the cat. Now, that's not always possible. You know, sometimes people aren't willing, sometimes they're not able so we do, we're very fortunate to have a couple of very dedicated trappers that can go in and assist on cases like that, where the people are either unwilling or unable to participate themselves. But we always try first to get them involved. And frankly, I mean, that's how I've gotten a lot of people who are still involved today in Charles River and some of them who sit on the board with me. I got them involved through educating them and getting them involved in their own projects when they called, you know, for help in their neighborhood. We we do, we haven't yet faced the situation of, you know, we're looking at Dorchester and so we can't do another area. We're actually expanding our area. We're basically fielding calls now sort of from, from Lynn to Brockton. And it, it's not really because we want to be doing that. It's because I think some areas are very stretched for resources. And so sometimes we'll hear people say, oh, we've called, you know, five groups and you're the only one who who called us back or we, you know, people are very stretched thin, I think. And, and that's part of why this model has worked well for us is because we're asking something of some of these caretakers and it helps us get more done. If you were a group in another part of the country where the euthanasia rates might be a bit higher, what sort of guidance would you give them in starting out with a similar style group? Well, I'd say there's a couple of key resources that you need. And, and the first is would be sort of working with the local shelters that you referred to to get data on where where their critical need areas are depending on their resources they might want to focus on those first the other the other key thing is a network of veterinarians or some kind of a, a spay neuter clinic that can handle the cats because you never want to just get equipment and start trapping without a plan you you need to really have a plan is there's, there's a fair amount of logistics involved so if you if you know that you're going to trap a colony that colony first has to be on a feeding schedule where it's trapped where the the cats are fed the same time same place every day and they get used to coming that way when you go to trap it's it's really easy the cats are used to showing up instead of putting food out one night you just put out the traps baited with the food but you have to have the plan in place so that you have already vet appointments lined up and transportation lined up and a place to hold the cats pre-op and post-op. So it's a little bit of, of thought. And the Alley Cat Allies website has a lot of great resources on, you know, how to do TNR and how to talk to your neighbors. So it's 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 a little bit of planning. You can't just jump right into into this work. But if you have all your key pieces in place... Um, the veterinarian resources, the equipment, the holding spaces, etc. You can kind of be a little bit methodical and just prioritize the colonies that are calling you and just kind of handle them one by one, hopefully involving the caretakers because it does make it much easier. Those cats are used to coming to that person. Whereas if you show up there, you would be a complete stranger to the cats and they'll get spooked. And now, let's take a moment to listen to a few words from our sponsors. 
The Community Cats podcast is generously sponsored by the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society, one of the nation's pioneers in successful TNR programs. In 1992, in response to a persistent feral and homeless cat population along the Merrimack River in Newburyport, MRFRS began a concerted effort to trap, sterilize, and return a colony of over 300 cats, setting up and maintaining feral feeding stations. That colony was successfully reduced to zero cats by 2008. Today, MRFRS's activities include two mobile, low-cost spay-neuter vans known as the Catmobile, an adoption program with a focus on special needs and hard-to-place cats, veterinary assistance programs for low-income individuals as well as unowned cats, and mentoring for local animal welfare organizations seeking to improve their TNR effectiveness. For more information, visit www.mrfrs.org. What sort of program you have going on in Mexico? So in Mexico, there, there's a little island uh, off Cancun called Isla Mujeres. It's just north of Cozumel. And uh, I've been going there probably about 17 or 18 years. And when I first arrived there, I said, uh, how can I help the animals? Somebody pointed me to the veterinarian there who was doing, you know, a whole lot of, you know, work with the homeless animals, most of it without pay, frankly, um, and also for, for owned animals, but at very low cost. He had a clinic that was in very, very tough shape, you know, mold on the walls, water coming in. But yet he was the one really doing all of the work for particularly the cats, because in Mexico, the cats generally are not owned. 90% of the cats on the island are without an owner and 90% of the dogs have owners. So with the dogs, it was more a case of education of the owners. With the cats, it's more a case of population control. So there was a piece of land right across from the clinic that he was renting, or it was actually a converted apartment that he was that he was operating in and there would be, you know, cats wandering into the, into the operating space. And it was, it was people wandering in, nobody makes appointments there. So it was a a little bit of a a challenging environment. And um, so we secured the land across the street from the clinic and, and we constructed a new clinic with two proper consultation rooms, a lab, a little adoption space, uh, a sterile surgery room, recovery areas for cats and dogs, and actually a cat sanctuary in the back. There's a piece of land. Essentially, the back part of this clinic space is housing a number of cats that could not be returned for one reason or another um, and who are essentially awaiting adoption. My cousin actually has one of those cats from the back sanctuary area. We constructed a new clinic. Um, He has real equipment now. He has an x-ray and he has an anesthesia machine, uh, autoclaves, essentially kind of things that our veterinarians would take for granted, but uh, he was working without before. For for example, before he had the anesthesia machine, he was using injectable anesthesias, which is just can be more difficult for older animals or or very small kittens. I, I had watched him resuscitate kittens using, you know, pumping the legs and using mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, which is, you know, just something we don't normally come up against here. So it's been a great success. They've got more business than they can handle. Um, he's still doing all of the sterilization of the cats for free. It, I've taken a bunch of traps down there and he's got people that trap the cats and uh, basically does those uh, six days a week. And also has um, clients, but he really works with the clients because many of them are low income. So I have seen him take, you know, braided bracelets or uh, fish as payment when people can't pay for their animals. He'll, so he kind of works with uh, with what people have. Yeah, there's there's unfortunately, you know, a couple of days ago, 
there were some cats poisoned. He, he was able to save them. But, you know, there's there's just a different reality than what we're used to dealing with. Um, we don't see that much poisoning here, but that happens down there a lot. So just a, a different set of circumstances. But it, it, it is, it's made a huge difference for the animals. And uh, the cats are ear-tipped when he sterilizes them. And they are... Um, the you know it's an island so there will be no in migration so we really feel like we can get all these issues under control and there's a big difference now in in the dogs as well you know 5 years ago you didn't see people walking dogs on leashes and now that's all that's all around it's slowly by slowly it's it's coming along it's it's a much better situation for the animals than it was 15 years ago when he first arrived and there was no veterinarian at all on the island Loaded question for you, Kit. If okay. you saw a stray cat on the street, what would you do? Okay, so that's that's a good question. So the first thing to notice is, is the cat sick or injured? If it, if it is injured and you can safely pick it up or somehow secure it in a, in a box or a carrier, bring it inside. And if you're willing to take it to a 24-hour hospital like, like an angel, do that. And if you need a, additional resources, call your animal control officer or sometimes local shelters have uh, special rescue arms. That's it. That's if you can sort of get the cat, you know, safely into into a box or something. If if the cat, if you cannot pick the cat up, call your animal control officer or the rescue um, arm of your of your local shelter. So that's if the cat's sick or injured. If the cat looks fine, check first if it's ear tipped because it may be feral, and, and and if it's ear tipped, then it's it's been sterilized, and is there's a pretty good chance that somebody is taking care of it. If it does not have an ear tip and it's a friendly cat, it could be either lost or abandoned. And that happens uh, a lot. So the first thing you want to check is, does it have a collar and tags? And if it does, that's easy. Look on the collar and tags and call the owner because the, the cat may be out of its area and lost. If it doesn't have a collar or tags, I, what I would do is bring the cat inside into you know a spare room, like a bathroom and hold it and then try and find the owner. Um, and you can do that by making making a flyer and putting it around in your neighborhood, but also contacting your local animal control organization or local shelter, posting on Craigslist, and also sending the flyer to your local veterinarians. If you do actually end up bringing the cat into a veterinarian, they can scan the cat for a microchip. More and more people are microchipping their cats, which is a great idea because it's really the most effective way of reuniting a cat with its owner. So you want to give people several days to be able to figure out that their cat is lost and that you have the cat. You may end up holding the cat for a few days while while you're looking. Another option is to is to bring the cat to a local shelter after a couple of days if you if you haven't had any luck posting around in your neighborhood. If the cat is feral and is not ear tipped, call your local trap neuter return group for help sterilizing the cat and consider becoming a, a caretaker, you know, providing food and shelter and water. Uh, another recommendation that we've had is uh, the use of paper collars if it's a friendly cat and you can put your phone number on a paper collar and put it on the cat, but you do have to be careful with the collars about getting them caught on things. So a breakaway collar might even be a better suggestion. Yeah. And the, and the only trick with that is it's possible you may put the cat, the collar on and then the cat leaves and you never see it again. So one way to make sure it stays in the neighborhood is to is to feed it. 
So it knows the food is there and it will come. If it is a lost or abandoned cat and has no food source, it will come back to you for food until you can figure out what's happening. Kit, how could people find you or find your organization if they're interested in duplicating some of the efforts that Charles River has done or have questions? Is there a way that they can reach out to uh, your organization? Absolutely. Yes. We're at charlesriveralleycats.org. The direct phone number is 617-945-2430. And we'd love to hear from you um, if you want to set up your own similar organization or obviously we always happily accept donations because we're we're basically just funded by you know donations from some from the general public as well as some some grant funding so it's a big wide world out there but it's 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 very rewarding to to see these cats go from possibly distressed to either fat and happy on the street with a caretaker or placed in homes if they're friendly sounds great, sounds great. is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today Uh, A couple of things. Number one, if you own a cat, please spay and neuter it. Um, Unfortunately, nationwide here, 8 million animals go into shelters every year and only 4 million come out. So we really need to address the overpopulation issues. And also, if you own a cat, please keep it inside. Um, It's very dangerous for cats outside. Um, And so in general, groups like mine and shelters normally prefer people to keep their cats inside, but still microchip and tag your cat because they do occasionally get out and that's the only way he or she will get back to you. Um, I guess lastly, if you see cats outside um, and you would like to help them, please contact your local trap neuter return group or shelter and help get them sterilized and, and cared for. Kit, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. And the work that you've done over the last, I guess we would say 20 odd years or so is absolutely phenomenal. And um, I really appreciate all of your efforts that you've done for cats. And thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thanks for having me on, Stacey. I enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to the Community Cats Podcast. I would really appreciate it if you could go to iTunes and leave a review of the show. If you email me a screenshot of your review with your name and address and your t-shirt size, I will send you a Community Cats t-shirt. The reviews really help. Thanks, everybody. Wow.